And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. There's Lindergaard making Forrest backpedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's found him via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Madden, after just six minutes, gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trott. Goal. Hello and welcome to episode 250 of the Glover's Cast. Yes, Yes, really, we have reached that incredible milestone, and what a week to do it. We are probably the best podcast in the world that has anything to do with the National League South side. Maybe I haven't done the research. Best 24, maybe. Um, A little bit of gallows humour, I'm sure, to go throughout the course of this podcast. We're going to try and digest everything to do with Wrexham, everything with Oldham at the weekend. We're kind of going to try and unpick it all. Ian, unfortunately, is stuck on a train somewhere, so can't be with us. Dave's here, though. Say hello, Dave. Hello, Dave. Yeah, Love poor it. old Ian. He sent us a, a beautiful picture of his view from Salisbury Station, I think. It's looking lovely there at this time of night. Lovely say. stuff. So um, we thought, actually, it might be a really good chance to get a guest on. And I'm delighted to say that we are going to have a guest to kick things off. So the Wrexham chat, the Oldham chat will all come in the near future. But um, making a Glover's Cast debut, I think, I'm absolutely delighted to welcome former Yeovil Town Director Steve Allenson to the podcast. Steve, how are you, mate? Uh, I'm pretty good thank you uh nice to be here on this difficult week but um always happy to talk about things yeovil and try and help you unpick a few things so thanks guys it's quite all right it's been um, i'm just gonna say ben can we just say steve has pulled over on the side of the a303 to talk to us and talk to yeovil town supporters and as i'm sure we will come to uh there's not too many in the way of directors who are doing that. There are anything to do with the football club. I know you're not a director anymore, Steve, but um, yeah, that's yeah, uh, my, that... yeah that, that, that's my pleasure, Dave. But it might be nice if somebody more official than me came to talk. But that's another story, isn't it? <laughs> well, let's get on to that story. We will we will caveat that by saying the offer is open and has been for a while and will continue to be. Um, Steve, allow me to ask a question of you, not with a director hat on first, mm-hmm. but with mm-hmm. a, a supporter and a follower of Yeovil Town Football Club. To you personally, what has this week felt like and meant to you? Um, I thought Mark Cooper's um, statement was pretty good when he said it's death by a thousand cuts um, because... It has seemed inevitable as this season unfolded. Um, But, you know, you couldn't make it up, really, could you? Ten years ago, where we were playing four relegations separately, I mean, it it would be a work of fiction if one was writing about it. Um, But these things don't happen just because of that. There are underlying reasons. But I just feel really sorry, and I've you know, I've been quite vocal on Twitter, uh, sensibly, I hope, um, for the fans, because whatever football club you are, um, you don't deserve this. And I had a tweet from a good friend who's a Berry fan. Um, and a few years ago, I was trying to give him some help. You, you'll all remember Berry, of course, and we yeah. all felt very sorry for that. And he was saying, you know, look, really sorry for you because I've been there. Uh, and it has, sadly, the same sort of ring about it. 
Yeah. I mean, obviously, Steve, you, you, you come with probably an insight that, that, that none of us do because you have been in the Oval Town boardroom. Just from like, when, when was it you you left your role as a director? How long ago is that now? Um, it's eight years now. I left in 2015. I, 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 I resigned. Um, and John Fry and Norman Hayward were still the owners. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I think I've it's probably reasonably well known that I was unhappy that things were not happening as should have been happening. It was drifting and I was a bit of a lone voice, really. Um, and sometimes if you can't change things, you have to make a bit of a stand. And I was also getting quite interested, as you know, in women's football. And I became very involved in the uh, um, ladies, um, which and we had some good times there. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it was, you know, I'd been there for 15 years and and really we'd overachieved let's be honest we had over overachieved oh, yeah. we we are not a championship club you know no. you know um but we should be a football league club we should be a football yeah. league club yeah yeah so i mean if you just uh, and, and not wanting to hark back too much at the moment you you mentioned there about being involved at that time so you'd have mm. been there when the the land division happened and appreciate that that was two owners that had well my percentages are right, 92% ownership. So I guess when you've got that many shares, you do whatever the hell you like, can't you? But, uh, well, that, that's yeah. the point. I, you know, I've got 500 shares myself. Yeah. They're not worth anything. And um, right. they're not, I think they carry something like 0.1 of the voting. But you, you're absolutely right. Um, and of course, you know, directors run on a day-to-day -day basis, but owners, shareholders, if you own well anything more than 75 percent but certainly if you own 90 percent you can basically run that company uh, as you want and i always wanted to believe that john fry and norman haywood did do things for the good of yeovil um history will tell us whether that's right or not um but that was for me an unhappy position because also it wasn't communicated sensibly and I think that's one of the real problems with Yeovil and has been for a number of years the complete lack of communication and transparency mm -hmm. yeah it's a recurring theme isn't it it is yeah how many times have you said that uh, I mean, yeah, abs absolutely. You know, I mean, <laughs> it's quite quite funny, really. Because when I was a director, I often used to get shoved up to, and 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 talk and do things, which I was always happy so to do, um, because John Blessing didn't want to do that, and as we know, but it just breeds distrust. And sadly, um, with well, I'm going to say the current owner because he is the current owner still. Um, as far Mr. as we Priest know, Nob Steve, as far as we know. Uh, unless you can tell me something hot off the press, guys, <laughs> that's different. But um, I, I think um, we'd be the last to know. Um, and, you know, the lack of communication um, really is is a huge sin, it seems to me. I mean, fans will re will forgive quite a lot if you do talk to them, I think. Yeah, they absolutely will. Um, so, in fact, I kind of want I kind of want to I was going to bring up the support in general a little bit later, but actually, I think this is a good little segue. The support that I've seen, especially going to the games in the north, has been at times utterly relentless. And for the vast mm. majority of it, 
relatively positive towards those that are in front of them. How difficult is it for a supporter base as much as anyone else to be united when things are going on that they're not sure of? We've got different supporter groups. We've got all all kinds of things going on. And it's just been it's been a disjointed supporter base as much as it has been a disjointed actual football club. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a good point. And I think one of the problems probably is that disjointed base. I mean, I um, have given some advice and general discussions to the Glover's Trust over recent years to say, as you know, we're very concerned about what was going on with the, the land um, and tried to sort of get involved with that. And they were, of course, also involved with a possible consortium that was going to buy. Um, but you always got the view from what, again, me from the outside that that uh, different messages were coming out and dare I say the owner possibly played that to his advantage and against and and that was not really how fan bases can build themselves and make a difference I think no um, and, and, and I mean, do, do you think it is as, as, as simple as um, uh, better communication? I mean, you, you mentioned there about people forgiving a lot. We've obviously seen the new prospective owner, owner-in-waiting, stewards, whatever we want to call them, um, uh, talk a lot, possibly a bit too much, uh, in various places and, and gain a, a lot of support for what he's saying. And I think in terms of what he's saying a lot of it is quite good and on the on the face of it is it, it sounds quite impressive but i mean they've said as much as anyone has said judge us on what we do not on what we say and but, i think if you look at what they do it's 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 not as good as what they say uh, yeah i mean we can all talk the talk it's walking the walk isn't it really um and i'm a i'm a business lawyer i'm a corporate lawyer so i uh, I think I understand business, uh, uh, but what I, I cannot get my head around, I'm sorry, that um, people who are not yet owning the club because the deal hasn't been done are apparently putting money into it and doing things. And this concept of being a steward, well, it doesn't make sense in law, I'm afraid. I don't want to be a boring <laughs> lawyer, but it doesn't make sense. So that just adds to the confusion. Yeah, there was a lot of good, and I, I listened to the press conference when they came in, and 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 um, there was a lot of good talk, the right things, etc. Uh, maybe there was a little bit for the fans of anything but Scott Priestnell, dare I say that? But um, but then since then we've just meandered, and I've been involved and advised football clubs in my in my professional role in the past where deals have been done but then don't get done and, and once again you know Monday comes and Monday goes Friday comes and Friday goes etc um, so there was the initial apparent good news I, I kind of think that that's gone now and I, and I really think it's it's action but I think it's more than that. I think there's some real financial issues that have, have got to be unravelled. Would it be fair to say that should, and we are putting a huge asterisk on this, that should SU Glover's 
get the deal done, actually take legal control of the football club. In terms of a supporter perspective, in terms of getting the community on side, they're by the way everything has gone over the past few days, weeks, months, they're already playing catch-up. Totally. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, they can change that by effectively, first of all, doing the deal, obviously, and then secondly, just communicating and not in some sort of big, great, grandiose plan that we're going to be back in a football league in two years' time, etc. but just simple stuff, you know. What are they going to do? How are they going to bring the supporters along? Who is going to be on a board of directors? What if they don't want a supporter fan on the board? which some would like, why not? What's the position, you know? Um, what's the position with regard to the assets? Um, there is a first lease payment to South Somerset District Council due next month, or it's probably not South Somerset District Council now, is no. it, whatever it is. Somerset um, Council, yeah. That's, uh, but the first payment on the lease is due next month. Mm -hmm. Now, Next month, there's not a lot of income coming into the football um, club. So, you know, what have we got to do there? Um, and then, you know, what is their plan? Is it to balance the books? Is it sustainability, which actually really you need at that level? Um, if not, then just talk. So catch up is a good phrase. I'm afraid they are playing catch up at the moment. What? Mm. What do you think are going to be the challenges for a owner, old, new, directors, old, new, with dropping out of the division we're dropping out to? We're going into a vastly part-time division next season. We're going into probably smaller crowds, both home and away. We don't know quite what the situation is with stream packages, et cetera, et cetera. There are going to be some challenges they've got to have to get used to. I think there's a huge number of challenges. I'd, I'd be very surprised if there were stream packages. Um, I'd be very surprised, if I'm honest, if you're going to get um, BBC commentary every Saturday or every other Saturday, because if you are, haven't you got to give that same commentary to Western Supermare, to Taunton Town? Um, and how do you do that? So I would have thought, this, the, the, you know, in terms of visibility, Goal highlights, you know, that sort of stuff on local news. I think there's all that sort of stuff which people perhaps haven't thought about. Um, the biggest challenge is going to be, you know, are, are you going to be full-time or part-time? Now, there is no way you can balance the books in that league, in my view, on a full-time budget. So, now, if these guys want to run it as putting money in as a number of owners up and down the country do then that's their prerogative of course so to do but it's going to very quickly become clear that this at this level for what we've got in the structure at the moment at Yeovil is not sustainable so that's the big the, the big call for them I think. Yeah, I mean, they have said um, when asked a question that they can still consider whatever division we're in, that it's full-time football next season. So, like you say, Steve, that is a 
point where they're going to have to make up the difference if that's what they're they're, they're going to do for mm. such a period of time that mm. well until until we're back in the level that we well i suppose currently still are in when we're back into the national league premier whenever that is yeah no abs absolutely now if they do stay full-time you know, they ought to be able to compete well in that league because you know I've, I've watched a few games and and seen things and, and obviously as you say the majority are part-time but don't kid yourself there's also no. some clubs in that league who are throwing some money around yeah absolutely well you remembering know, um, back to the mid-90s when we last went down to this division and uh then it took us two seasons to to bounce back up so no i agree with you i don't think it's a no, straight back up no, no, situation a, a, absolutely that was the first year i was involved actually mm. so you know so i mean you you've got to be optimistic and you've got to say look we came from there um and you know we 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 worked through I mean, I have to say, I mean, I became first involved at that time and the owner then, of course, was sadly now died, but was John Goddard Watts um, and, you know, who was a, a gentleman and a local businessman who had made good through Screwfix and wanted to give something back. Now, to my mind, that that is the model of the perfect community football club. Um, yeah. um these guys aren't local, you know, the cynic could say, why Yeovil? Yeah. Um, as the cynic said about Mr. Priestnell. Um, um, so, but, you know, we can only cut the cloth where, where, where we've got it, can't we? Yeah. Unfortunately, as much as we'd love to there to be another John Goddard, what's out there, I think they are very few and very far between. And you may only get one in your lifetime and we might have had it. You, you, yeah. And, and I think that's probably right. And we were hugely fortunate there. Yeah, hugely yeah. fortunate with him um but you know um we did it so i think the fans don't need you know you've got to you, you've got to be positive still um but love love the phrase that you said really rich you know it, it it's it's catch up it's catch up um and catch up in a difficult situation where there's no income coming in Lots of lots of Yeovil fans listen to this, and the ones I've spoke to, there's a feeling of, for want of a better term, helplessness at the moment, mm -hmm. not being able to do an awful lot. Is there something that you think that Yeovil supporters can do, whether that is um, to hold XYZ to account or to continue to put pressure on? What can mm -hmm. supporters listening to this who are completely helpless at the situation do? I mean... It's a it's a very good question, um, because at the end of the day, of course, as we said with um, John and Norman, if you own 90 odd percent of the shares in a company, you can actually do uh, a great deal. Um, so to, to some extent, there is not a lot that can be done, um, although um, this is a local community um, and in that regard you know any owner who wants to take it on uh should realize that they need the goodwill of of supporters so i think you've just got to keep banging the drum the first thing i would say is is get together you know um, uh, and if there are various supporters groups there were about four or five the last i saw you know that's not going to help um 
you can talk about not renewing season tickets, can't you? And all, all that sort of stuff. Um, but the sad position is if Yeovil had been in the playoffs, the National League this year, then actually all that has been going on off the field would very quickly be forgotten by the fans. And that's that's kind of really sad because that would just be masking the underlying difficulties. So what I'm I guess what I'm worried about is if they suddenly they do sort of start storming National League South for whatever reasons, then the issues get forgotten and they shouldn't be. No. Um and that's true of football up and down the whole hierarchy. Um, so I kind of I've got no magic bullet really, um, but to hold to account, you know, the the new owners or whatever they may be, if they do come on, they were very very open at the outset as to what they were going to do in terms of commit transparency, etc. So if they complete day one, week one the fans have got to insist to hold them to account in respect of that. That's the first step to do. Absolutely. Steve, if and I'm just, I'm just, I, as, as you're talking there, I feel like I'm talking to somebody who is incredibly knowledgeable in certain areas, knows not just the club, but the community through huge amounts of experience. Let me put you on the spot. If your phone rings first thing tomorrow morning and it is a current board member or a current um director or somebody significantly involved in the club past present or future and says Stephen I heard you on the Glover's cast loved what you had to say I'd love some help trying to make this happen what would you say I'd say fine I'd be delighted absolutely delighted to I was I in the background I was advising actually the other consortium that didn't in the end purchase the club from John and Norman I was um and it's pretty well known that there was a local consortium wasn't there and I, I was giving some advice there. Um, I've also been doing that a little bit with the Glover's Trust. I would be delighted to. Uh, and I have no agenda, you know, except to try and do the right thing. Yeah. For, for I mean, I, you know, it, it hurt. I mean, some may say, well, hang on, you're sitting here spouting all this stuff, but, you know, you were there when, John and Norman owned the club and and maybe you could say that was when things started stagnating and yep that's fair enough although I got out before it really did sort of thing um but but absolutely right none of us have the total answers um but I'd like to think I'm trusted and trustworthy um that realize that this isn't about my ego or whatever I would just like to see during my lifetime um, you know, we're back in the football league because that's where they should be. Absolutely. Can I just ask, Steve, because I know you obviously have an understanding of a lot of these things. So let's say that things don't uh, go through with this uh, this new uh, consortium mm. and um, uh, w whether that's because they pull out or whether it's because everything falls through or someone, someone pulls mm. out. Mm. Where does that mm. leave the football club? Because as you say, no, rent Due, no money coming in, lower division, um, by the yeah. looks of it, and owner not interested. Where does mm. that leave us in terms of 
Well, I don't want to set too many hairs running, um, but the club is insolvent. And yeah. when you're insolvent, um, you have duties as directors um, not to increase those debts. Um, and you should take uh, advice from insolvency professionals. You know, that's my qualification. Yeah. And sadly, they may well have to look at putting it into some form of insolvency process, which, as we know from football clubs, you've seen those that have been uh, discussed more recently. Of course, we had two rugby union clubs go into insolvency processes. So I fear that if this doesn't go through, we may be looking at some sort of insolvency process. And it may well be the case then that that brings matters into huge start reality and we could find that we're starting again even lower down the pyramid. So if we were to do that and we all know from seeing other clubs that means points deductions and things and mm -hmm. fines and things like that at that point I'm, I'm no insolvency expert are the debts and whatever you've got what, what, what happens with them is it um, does it yeah. in some ways make you more attractive to a buyer well um there is the possibility yeah because you can buy a club out of an insolvency process be it an administration or a voluntary arrangement and buy the assets not quite sure what the assets are of yeovil <laughs> at the moment um but you leave the debt behind but you are a member of, at the moment, National League. They have rules with regard to their insolvency process. And you would inevitably, therefore, tumble down the leagues. Uh, and, if you're, and if you formed a new club, you know, Yeovil United or whatever, just like they've done at Bury, remember, you, you start a long way down the league. So it is not, on any view, it is a very worrying situation if that happens um now the people who control that process are obviously the owners uh the the lenders and we still have you look at the balance sheet there are still lenders who are owed money down in respect to that um quite where the council the new council will fit in that there'll be some very interesting discussions going around um but yeah, you could find yourself, you know, attractive. But what are you buying yeah. at the moment? Given the land deal, of course, which is the elephant in the room. Um, there are some real difficult legal issues to untangle there. You're, you're relying on someone who wants to buy a football club because it's a football club. You're not relying on, you know, like you say, there's no assets to buy. So you want someone who wants to be the owner of a football club, basically, don't you? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I yeah. mean, there are those people out there. You mentioned the group, which I'm going to assume was Simul, Simul Sports, Julian Jenkins group. Um, so, so they would have come in eyes wide open. The um, uh, SU Glovers have uh, spoken about that they, they've come in not because they want to become millionaires, which is quite sensible. So there are people out there who are interested in buying a football club for a football club because they like the idea of running a football club. Oh, absolutely. You yeah. will always get people who want to buy football clubs. You might ask why, but you will always get people who want to buy football clubs. Finding the right person to buy a football club is a bit more difficult than the people who want to. But yeah, they are out there. 
Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I've spoken to Julian Jenkins a few times, um, you know, seem very genuine football people from what I could see. Yeah, yeah. What, what would you say right now if up popped on this Zoom call um, would be the prospective owners or the people at the football club who are currently running Yeovil Town Football Club from within? What would, you, what, what would your message be to them? Um, communicate, communicate, communicate. Um, lack of communication is the sin of the age. Um, so step number one, just talk. Don't talk in fantasy stuff. Just talk basics. People will respect you much more for that. And if there are problems, which I believe there are, be open about them because you will then find that people will try and work with you and want to work with you. So that's step one. And, and that's, that's not a difficult step, to be honest. Can't really argue with any of that. Um, again, we, we reiterate, I know for a fact that Ali Durden at the BBC, you said before we came on air that you spoke to Ali Durden, and I know you've been on local BBC uh, this week. So have I. Uh, I spoke to Ali Durden. I know that Claire yeah, Parker told me at BBC. Well, yeah. That's right. I, I know for a fact that that Ross at ITV, that Ali at BBC, Claire Carter, BBC Somerset have all put out requests to the football club, to people directly to come and talk. The Glover's Cast is an open forum for anybody who wants to come and tell us their plans for the football club to come and do so. If you're in charge and you want to make decisions and you want to tell a lot of people... You are more than welcome to come and do it here. Thousands of people listen and uh, go on our website. You know where we are. Um, I think I, I feel like we're coming towards a natural end, Stephen. I'm very aware you're parked up in a lay-by on the A303. <laughs> probably, I've probably gone really dark. You probably can't see me. He's, gone, he's gone pitch black. So uh, a little bit worried that, uh, yeah, uh, someone might drive by and think, what's that car been parked there all that time for? <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm sorry about that. That wasn't the easiest Zoom. Um, but as they say, perfect face for radio and all that sort of stuff. So there you go. It, it, it's it's um, fine. We're audio only. It's absolutely yeah. fine. So it works just fine. Um, Steve, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap this little chat up now, and um, I'll hit the stop button. I just want to say a huge thank you for coming on at fairly short notice, as well. It should be said. Um, uh, well, look, look, it's a pleasure. And, uh, no, and I I do listen to you guys, and I, I follow. It. And as you say, I'm still a fan, and that's what makes me really sad. And yep, if I could do anything, there's the offer. There you go. That, that's it. <laughs> Heard it here first, guys. Heard it here first. <laughs> Well, a very big thank you to Steve. Uh, Alan's in there for joining us. Hopefully uh, you found that interesting. And, and well, it, whilst it might not answer your questions, as we said, uh, we've got a lot of questions. Answers are the ones we're struggling with. But, yeah, a big thanks to Steve. Ben. Hello. We're going to have to talk about football now, aren't we? I'm afraid so. I'm uh, afraid we are. Yes. Um, well, it would be remiss of us not to. Um, we were both there at Wrexham. We were. We were. And can I just say, 200 and 17 absolute nutcases were there. I, I, I'm, but I was, I was staggered at the 100 and whatever it was that were at Solihull. The 500 and something that were at Oldershot on uh, Good Friday. 
and now 200 travelled on a Tuesday night to to, to to Northern against a team which we were talking cricket scores before, aren't we? It is absolutely bonkers. Yeah, yeah, that 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 feels like a good place to start this this chat because I feel like it might go downhill pretty quickly. Um, incredible support, incredible in amongst a crowd of 10,000. Um, I wasn't obviously in that 217. I was off to the side in the press box. Well, you and Sheridan, you make 219, don't you? We do indeed. Um, And to be fair, there's a few people within the football club who make it 220, 221. And there's a few others definitely um, who make that number a little bit higher. Um, I could hear the supporters um, throughout that first half, mainly because we were actually quite good. And it was a very strange feeling. Let's let's do this chronologically. We like to go from the start. Team news, when it landed, um, uh, was there any great, huge surprise to see Rio Griffiths and Xander Sadiba both at the start? They both made the impact against Solihull and, des- and deserved their chance. Absolutely. Yeah, 100% agree. And I think the thing uh, several people said to me in the pub is, it's an attacking lineup, isn't it? That isn't well, it? And it felt like an attacking lineup. It did indeed. We were kind of umming and ahhing, um, Sherry and I, with our little notes, thinking that's a 4-3-3, three, three. that's an attacking three in midfield. There was kind of only one holding midfielder. And actually, when they started warming up, we pointed out that it, it was a three. It was Bevan, Staunton and Freckleton at the back. And actually, the wingbacks, very early on, got forward. Oliver yeah, Boy yeah. is not a right defender. He was getting up on that right-hand side and Jamie Reckle was getting up on the left-hand side. I don't think we can accuse them of not having a bit of a go, but I think we can accuse them of not being as good as Wrexham. Yes, absolutely. And 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 I think it would probably be a little bit unfair for us to uh yes, to uh, to expect us to do um as good as Wrexham when you look at Jesus Christ, the quality they've got on the bench, the quality that I, I saw Aaron Hayden uh walking off uh you know not even in the sky rob layton the goalkeeper uh, anyone who's watched that disney um documentary will know about all those players aren't even i think injuries have probably kept them out but jesus christ there is some there is some talent in that squad isn't there? so yeah yeah but, and so many efl appearances i was doing my, my yeah. research you forget how much football some of these play have played the lad they got from charlton owen o'connell was just playing at charlton yeah. <laughs> Now he's in the National League. It's like, hang on, what? Talk about Paul Mullen at Cambridge, League Two top goal scorer, drops down a division. I mean, all of those names, no, no more so maybe than the goalkeeper. Um, what, what did you make of the first half? Because we did have a go. Yeah. One word that I used at halftime, which shouldn't be a, a, been a, a surprise, but almost was a bit of a surprise. It felt like we had some unity on the pitch. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and um, uh, it, 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 like you say, I pointed out about players not celebrating with other players at Solihull and players not maybe not passing to, to other players. That definitely didn't seem the the case. Obviously, Saziba, um, well, if we, we look at the players that have, we'll say, been brought in by the new ownership, the new stewards, the new whatever they are, um, Xander Saziba, Rio Griffiths and Scott Pollock were all in that lineup. They're, they're, they're all theirs, I think. So, and I thought the three of them actually looked um, uh, quite good quality. Um, and Zatiba, I've never seen such a little bloke try and win so many headers in my in my life. They they put themselves about, they put the, the, the effort in. And the one thing I did notice, and I know we're in that, I'm leaping into the second half now, but when they came off, there was a big, you know, hand clap with the manager. Now, who knows 
what 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 what, what all this means. Um, but there was a show of unity, and we've spoken about perception yep. and what perception can be. That showed unity. That that know. that very that very thing was on my little scrawled notes here that there were high fives, and yep. it would be very easy not to do that. Um, we did have a couple of chances. Matt yeah, Worthington yeah, possibly yeah. had the best of them. Yeah. Um, sort of flashed a, a shot at Ben Foster who parried it away and Saziba nearly gets there, doesn't he? Yeah. It would be a very different game of football had we gone in 1-0 up with something to defend. But there was enough there at halftime. I thought we were defensively pretty sound. I thought we had at least a couple of moments in their, in their box that made you think, well, at least we're going down swinging. Yeah, absolutely, and and we, I mean, we said it after the game at uh, at Solio. People saying it full time, then saying it half time, then as well. Um, at Wrexham, I should say, where's this been? Yeah, where you know, where where could we have been uh, if we'd have if we'd have played like that a bit more? If we'd have had that unity in those games. I mean, we keep going back to those games against Oldershot, Dorking, Gate. Said, what could we have done if we'd have had this 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 unity and. Woulda, coulda, shoulda, in it, but um, yeah. A word for the keeper, Will Buse, um, back in again at the expense of Grant Smith. Grant Smith still apparently struggling with an effect of, a, of an injury he sustained at York. He did get a bad kick at York, um, but I thought Will Buse, and I don't mind sort of again skipping forward a bit here. He was my man of the match. Mm. I thought he was absolutely fantastic, commanding in defence, came out punching balls and uh, claiming crosses being quite commanding for a little man he's got a heck of a jump on him has i said that didn't i saturday yeah it was um uh if you look at him you think that is a very small man for a goalkeeper but he has got elevated and what a save he made in the second half that yeah. was that 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 was if grant smith had made that save we'd be going best keeper in the league i i, I couldn't agree more the one where yeah. mullin turns on a sixpence and fires a shot off and, low and Paul Mullin, Paul <laughs> Mullin, uh, League One, uh, League Two top scorer, whatever he was, um, earning six grand a week, according to some Wrexham fan I was talking into in the pub. Um, yeah, <sighs> crazy. Yeah. Ben absolutely. Foster's on four and a half grand again, according to the same uh, completely unreliable source in the pub. But um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, Jesus Christ. Um, I didn't yeah. think he was. I, I, of the two goalkeepers, if I'd have looked at them and I'd know nothing about football and I said, which one of these do you think is playing the Premier League? I wouldn't have picked Ben Foster. I could not agree more. There were a couple no. of times he parried that shot from um, Worthington into a dangerous area. A couple of his clearances left an awful lot to be desired. Couldn't kick straight. A couple no. went out for throw-ins. A couple went out behind him as he sort of shanked them clear. He nearly gets caught out by Jordan Young's worldy attempt in the second half. Not sure if it's going in, but Foster's scrambling to get that yeah. one from 40-odd yards away. He makes one good save at the end from Kiori Johnson. Absolutely makes a good save there. But I agree with you. I, I, I thought the keeper was there to be tested. And actually, mm-hmm. I think I kind of I, I mentioned something at halftime. Let's like get a couple of free kicks under, under Ben Foster. Get a couple of corners, set pieces. Get him underneath him, because I think he was there. Came flapping at a couple. Um, it wasn't to be, though, because in the second half, I said at halftime that I imagine Phil Parkinson just kind of said, be patient, be ready, your chance will come. But the way they started the second half, it felt like they had a bit of a rocket up them, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. And 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 I think, like you said, Phil Parkinson would have said to him, Yobel and knackered. 
because we had run and run and run and run as much as we could. Um, and we could quite rightly um, be knackered. I, I thought, I don't know, Zebra and, and, and Griffiths maybe, they they started so well, the two of them up front, and like you say, yeah. caused them all kinds of problems. And I still say that when Rio Griffiths gets on the ball, he's technically an excellent player, got really clever feet. Um, I'm sure the rest of them clever as well. But the um, uh, <laughs> but after 20 minutes, half an hour, you saw them begin to slow, uh, and yeah. understandably, uh, that that the whole team did uh, did slow a bit. But yeah, second half, they came out like they were on fire. Um, and we came out probably a bit a bit knackered. We were a bit knackered of that. Yeah. I'm absolutely sure. Let's talk about the goals because um, I don't think I'm going to put any blame on Will Buse for any of the goals. It's a nice finish for the first one. But you you mentioned in our little chat, they very strategically watered the right half they of the did. pitch, didn't they? They did. And there was a slip. Well, well, there were a couple of slips before it. Will Buse went down when he was making a kick, didn't he? Yeah. I can't remember it was slipped. Someone slipped and missed a moment, and then there was a goal. Yeah, half a yard of space because of the slip, yeah. bang. Might have taken a little nick as a defender threw themselves in the way of the ball. But yeah. Ford, he had been a thorn in the side down that side. He'd given Oliver Bory a really good game. Oliver Bory was doing his best to actually try and keep tabs on him, I thought, for a player who's not a defender and a player that I've given an awful lot of stick to. Um, and then... We make a couple of changes. We have to make the two changes because of fitness issues. Sazeba and Griffiths look done and dusted. I gonna, and, uh, uh, sorry, I know we're jumping back and forth here, but Owen Bevan. Oh, uh, sorry, we haven't mentioned yeah, Owen Bevan. No, I'd, I'd, I'd gone off. I mean, obviously, we all know what a good player is. I, I thought he'd done. That, that seemed like a moment then when Owen Bevan um, came off. And was uh, Linton came on for him? So, right? so Linton came on for hit. So we were umming and ahhing about yeah. what they were going to do. We assumed they'd go Kiora Johnson yeah, and try and figure it out from there and put one to wing back or whatever. Yeah. But then it was Linton that came on and Linton went to left wing back. Yes. And yes. record went in centre half. I yeah. That's the best I've seen record in that first half for quite a while. I think he's been really subpar. But yeah. actually, I thought he looked really quite assured and was keeping very good players at bay. Um, so I think... I think it was a bit of an attacking move. We had yeah. to have an extra attacking unit on the pitch and Malachi Linton had to had to sub in a, a left wing back to try and add a bit going forward. Didn't quite get going, but I didn't think he disgraced himself either. He put himself into a few tackles and, and got going, but uh, Griffiths and Saziba come off and you talked about the bench already. They were bringing on Luke Young, who's played a bazillion games at a higher level, and Ollie Palmer. Yeah, who cost who them, cost them six, six figures. figures. Yeah, yeah. We were bringing on Shura Johnson and Jordan Young, who I don't think are horrendous footballers by any stretch of the imagination, but with the greatest respect, then neither of them are Ollie Palmer. No. Um, it kind of showed our hand a little bit, didn't it? Is that that was our depth that we had to go to, by which time we were not just chasing the game, but we had to try and score at least two. Yeah, exactly. And they had a crowd of 10,000 people uh, whipped up behind him. And to be fair to him, they, you know, they made a great, a great racket, a great atmosphere. Mm. That is uh, quite rightly a football club in waiting, a football league club, I should say, in waiting. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, fair, fair play, fair play to them. And uh, I, I think when the final whistle came, there was a, probably the saddest thing was there was a, 
expectancy. I mean, nobody. I don't think anybody thought that we were going to. Um, no. Uh, we were we we were going to do it. I suppose if I am trying to draw a silver lining out of this very dark cloud, it is that we didn't disgrace ourselves on that night. I don't think. No, I what it could have been. I I said to Rich on BBC before. I said, look, tonight might not be enough. Regardless, mm. I hope we go down swinging, and I was relatively satisfied that we went down swinging for enough of that game. You know, Wrexham away will not define our season. Plenty of other games will. We we gave it a bit of um a bit of a go. Um let's talk let's talk about your vantage point in in the supporters. 217 of you. What what were the overriding feelings? What what were the words and the sentences people were using as the final whistle goes? What was the what was the feeling? Because it was a, a weird and lonely place up in the press box. Yeah, I think it was. Um like I say, you you were sort of caught between that that could have been a lot worse. That could have been six, seven, eight now. If 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 thing if we gone really bad and they gone really good, uh, things could have been absolutely um, appalling. And so I think there was a wanting to let the players know that you appreciated their effort on that that occasion. We've let them know when they haven't um, done the right things previously. So we we got to give them credit for the things that they did do well. But it almost didn't feel like we'd been relegated. And I don't mean that people didn't think that we had been. I think it was after that Gateshead game, after that Dorking game, after maybe not that old shot game, because we did get a point out of that. But I think that was the point where people thought we were relegated. That yeah. So we'd almost started our grieving process by then. Um, so this, although it mathematically did it, it was only mathematics that was keeping us up before that. So talking to people in the pub about and they're saying oh you could win these last three games and other teams could lose and it's like <laughs> nah mate nah. yeah um i said on the way that it was like driving to your own funeral uh, yeah exactly yeah <laughs> it was a very weird experience yeah getting yeah. in the car and just going oh i've got 90 minutes to get there 90 minutes when i am there and 90 minutes to get home let's just get on with it if i can yeah. um post-match 14 minutes of Josh Staunton. Yeah. I think there was I think there was three questions asked of him. Yeah. <laughs> he just went. Um and then uh, Mark Cooper as well. Um I have have you listened back to those? Yes. So I haven't. I'm not sure I can quite bring myself to do so. I was I wasn't there for Mark Cooper at all. I was up doing the post match on the BBC. I did get down to Pitchside to listen to Josh Staunton and it was it was tough to listen to. What did you make of the post-match comments. So probably everything that you would expect them to be. We've seen uh, Josh Dalton come out so many times in recent weeks and, uh, you know, prior to that as well and speak as a, as a leader of the football club. And we've all praised him to, to the, the, the rooftops about what he's done and, and how we need him. And you uh, pointed out in our WhatsApp chat that I went on BBC Somerset the next morning and said that it's hard to disagree with your assessment that uh, he's the most important player since Terry Skiver. And now, um, I would say as a leader, as a person leading us through what is a very dark time, he is the only one because there is nobody else out there, anyone. And I say that of Mark Cooper. I don't think he particularly comes across as a leader. Um, and I definitely say our owner, our directors, our chief executive officer, all of these people could have done things. We spoke with Steve Allison just now about what could be doing and the importance of communication. There are no leaders at this football club. Josh Staunton is 
it. He is our leader. That, and, and, and people follow him. You can tell from the way that the players talk about him, the way the fans talk about him. People follow him. And he is putting a lot of other people at that football club to absolute shame. And they should be ashamed of themselves. <clears throat> Sorry, I went off on a tangent there. But think, I, did, I, did, I was, was going to start the timer. You, you're going to start the timer, yeah. yeah. Start um, the timer. But in terms of Mark Cooper, Mark Cooper spoke a lot of sense. Um, it's got to be done now. Something's got to be said. Uh, we've got to we've got to regroup. We can regroup. He wants to be there uh, next season. You know, if whether he generally believes he will be or not, who knows? But he's saying he does. He's obviously, as we know, a manager. He's taken uh, a club out of this uh, out of the national league into the football league. So on paper, he 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 could be the right man. Maybe without all the crap that's going on in the background he could be uh he could have he could uh, kept us kept us perfectly safe there's good players there there's there's things to be positive about but it just comes back to the same thing again and again and again who's making the decisions we talk about decisions that need to be made yeah who's making them and why are we still here so there's only about five or six people that can answer that so i was i was on the pitch afterwards um Got to be careful with what I say here because I've heard a lot of off-the-record comments. Um, I, I either... I, I, had a, I had a very interesting conversation with Martin Starnes. I am not going to divulge what was in that conversation because that's private. Um, like you told him to come on and talk to us, yeah? It, it, it was, uh, the offer was open. The offer was open, and he knows that. And anybody knows that. I gave Mark Cooper the offer. I've given lots of people the offer to come on and talk to us. Let me tell you, let me tell you something. Either either I might get some stick for this, but I'm gonna say it. Either Martin Stans is a very, very good actor, or what I saw on the side of that pitch is a a man that is hurting and feels I don't know what the word is. I don't know what the word is, but I I saw a man that is hurting and wants better for this football club. And I think I kind of have to leave that there. And that's kind of where I will leave that. But yeah. um, I mean, I, either that or he's a sensational actor. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I mean, I, I don't I don't doubt that Martin, that Martin Starnes is hurting. I don't doubt that Martin Starnes is, um, to a greater or lesser extent, a supporter of this football club. And I know I've seen him at games when he's had nothing to do with the football club. So if that's that's what makes a supporter, then he is a supporter. But I would also say that Martin Starnes, as we mentioned time and again, is the chief executive officer of this business. He is in charge. Uh, I do a little air quote there. He's in charge of things. There are things, there are dis- Things he will have made decisions which have led to things that have happened. Uh, that 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 is just inevitable. Now I'm not saying he's responsible for everything. I'm not saying he's done. Uh, he hasn't done things, or he has done things. Because the reality is, we don't know, do we? We're we're, we're no. completely in the dark about all these things. And um, I'm not going to ask you what, uh, what what was said to you by by him. I don't doubt that he's hurting, but ultimately. He is one of those, I would say, half a dozen people who have got it in their control to do something about this. So those people are Scott Priestnell, Matt Oogler, Stuart Robbins, Martin Starnes, let's say Paul Saki and maybe Julianne Oogler as well. That's six people, six people who can do something about this. And it's up to them. They are the people who, in my view, 
the history books will be will be written. If this football club disappears, it's those people, and I'll throw in Norman Awood and John Fry in that as well for the reasons that we discussed in time and time again. It's those people who will have to look themselves in the mirror and ask them why, ask themselves why does this football club not exist anymore? And I'm not saying that's going to happen, and I hope to God that it doesn't. Um, but if it does, those people have got responsibility. And hey, if you're listening, any of those people that I've just named there, if you're listening and you think I'm wrong, come on and tell me why I'm wrong. These guys, Ben, Ben and Ian, tell me I'm wrong all the time. So I've got no problem with being wrong. Come on and tell me what right is. How about that? Come uh, on yeah, and tell and me what right is. Again, I, I, don't, I don't mind telling you that we didn't leave the race course till about 11.30 on Tuesday night after the match. Lots of conversations, lots of just... Not lots of conversations about nothing as well. As well, I'm not going to sit here and say that there was bombs being dropped or anything like that. We were just there's a few people just sat there chatting about nothing. It was about 11:30 before I left for my car. There are there are in my mind a, a, a zero question. Lots of people who can come on this podcast and tell us why things are going to be okay. Or, and, or more importantly, they can do something to make things okay. Yeah. One man who is hurting is Josh Thornton. Um, some of the things he has said, both publicly and privately, have continued to astound me. And the way that some of his comments have gone viral, I don't like that phrase, but gone viral. Um, supporters of clubs up and down the land saying, my word, look at this leader down at Yeovil. They've just been relegated. And look what their captain's saying. Yeah. I want to make things very, 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 very clear. One thing somebody at this football club, anybody at this football club can do is pick up the phone to Josh Thornton and go, what do you want to make this football club great again? How are you going to get this football club? How are you going to lead this football club back in the divisions? I think he should be the starting point for recovery of the football team. Let's say the football team. I don't think the club should be on his shoulders, but of the football team, for me, I think... Whether or not they want Mark Cooper, whether or not they want Chris Todd, whether or not they have their own managers in mind, whether or not anybody or anybody is not going to be part of this football club. I genuinely hope that there is a phone call. I hope that that phone call has already taken place. But I hope that that football club, that, that phone call exists. Josh, what do we need? How are we going to do it? Who do we need? You can tell by the way players talk about him that he's he's got the respect of everybody in that dressing room. Whether you know there's there's factions and whether he's in your faction or not in your faction, there is nothing any professional footballer I refuse to believe can look at in Josh Dalton and say I don't like that guy yeah. because he seems like a generally nice guy. We know he's a good footballer. We know he's someone who will give you absolutely everything, um, even to his own expense. As we've said so many times, being held together by sticky tape, literally. Um, uh, so we know all of those things. So no, I completely agree. If um, he's got to be uh, the foundation we build on, and um, yeah, quite rightly, a lot of people contact him and say they're worried about him because of how much he is taking on. And I think we we we'd say the same for that as well. We haven't Gosh. spoken about Oldham, and we no. haven't we haven't done questions yet. So I, I just want to end that by saying. Um, Thank you to those people who have reached out to me because it did get a bit emotional. It did get tough. I know there were tears in the away end from a certain from certain people as well. I know there were frustrations uh, listening to Josh pitch side set me off again. I got I got a hug from Martin Stans as I was listening to Josh 
gave me a hug. Oh, Goodbye. CEO friend. <laughs> Get fucked. Right. Okay. Um, I've got to press the button. Um, Oldham. How on earth do you get the team up for Oldham? It's done and dusted against a team that are going to finish the middle of the middle of the middle. They're going to finish. They're literally 12th. Yeah. They can't get in the playoffs. They're 10 points off. I mean, I don't want to struggle to sell tickets here, but what the hell are we going to see on Saturday? Well, uh, based on, let, let, let's, let's, be, let, let, let's have it right. Um, right, on the okay. based on the second half, uh, or the, the certainly last 20 minutes of Solion, based on the first half before we ran out of steam at Wrexham, this feels a bit like a team that is has got a bit of unity, um, and is playing with the shackles off because, yeah. like I say, we we, we what, what we got to lose now, um, so who knows? It, it, it could have I been, mean, I'm I, I don't want to sound like a complete fantasist here, but. Um, it could be. It could be a good game. It could be two teams that are just like. Um, sorry to sound so surprised about that, but um, uh, you know, it could be. It could be uh, two teams who think, well, we ain't got nothing to lose now, have we? It's all sorted for us. So let's just let's just have a good game. No press conference took place on Thursday. It's taking place on Friday instead this week. There's obviously been some scheduling changes down at uh, HQ, so the press conference will take part on on Friday. So we don't know things like. Team news, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There are players carrying injuries. Owen Bevan looked like that was fairly serious. He was very quick to be subbed off in that game. So I can, I would be safe to assume. We all know what assuming does. Makes an ass out of you and me. Um, that Owen Bevan doesn't take part in the game. A um, couple of games left for a couple of people possibly to to come in and stake their claim for contracts elsewhere here. Possibly Max Hunt might get another go after being hooked after twenty odd minutes against Solihull. Possibly. <laughs> Possibly. Possibly. Yeah, in there. Yeah, no, it's um same. Uh, based on um the performances of this season, there's a lot of players, I would say, that must be thinking, Christ, if this lot let me go, I don't stand a chance of finding another club. Because based on performances this season, there aren't too many that you go, oh my goodness, yeah, we'll have him. Um, any idea that any thought that maybe you'd, if you were in charge, you'd chuck a youngster in? Would you give a debut to somebody? Would you give Benjani his debut? Would you Would you try something to see what is in the football club? Would you have Graziano on the bench? Would you have Ollie Haste involved? Whatever it may be. Would you? I'm asking you directly. Uh, you... Yeah, I mean, what's the arm in doing it? What's the arm in trying it? I mean, uh, it's a case by case, isn't it? Because you could probably say it's more beneficial for... Benjani to play for Sherbourne and score a goal or two for them. Yeah. That's better for his progression. Or Ollie Ace to play for Truro or yeah, anything else. Read Ben's uh, loan watch to find out what everyone's doing. But um, I didn't do yeah. one at the weekend. I was in too much. Of, I didn't do one on Tuesday night. I was in too much of a bad mood. Yeah, well, don't blame you. Yeah, we um, had uh, you, you, uh, readers of our five conclusions will notice that Ian <laughs> did it in one conclusion. That being, what the is going on? Um. Okay, um, it is the last home game of the season. Yeah, and it is a it is a community day as well. So tell, where the, tell me tell me more about this. 
So this is the Yeovil Town Community Sports Trust. Um, they have their community days, as they've had in previous years. I think they've had hundreds of, um, you know, like bring your town to team and uh, bring your town to team. Bring your team to town. No, that's next season. To yeah, that's exactly. next season bring when we town. go on a tour of random towns in the bring middle of nowhere. Bring your town to team, yeah. Um, yeah, so, um, so yeah, so they'll, they'll be bringing, okay, now, it's going to be, it's hard sell, I imagine, but I know they have got uh, a significant, uh, number in there so again credit to the community sports trust and all the great work that they do um uh, so yeah I, that that will give the crowd a boost the tickets will give the crowd a boost as well so am i right in thinking there's a charity match on the pitch afterwards so i'll be honest with you i've seen this advertised but i i, I there is like a supporters match or something isn't there but i don't really understand what it is the west end charity football club right they are playing on the pitch at 6 p.m. So there's no post-match. <laughs> it's not, not going to be much of a post-match uh, round of applause. Is it free entry? Apparently. Yeah. It's going to open the gates. Um, Stick around, yeah. So it's the Yeovil Town supporters against the West End Charity FC. Saturday, 22nd of April, Hewish Park at Yeovil. 6 p.m. Yeovil supporters versus West End. And 8 p.m. YTFC supporters versus Exeter supporters. Does sound like the kind of thing that maybe someone should promote. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. There you go. Um, but yes, uh six o'clock kickoff, free entry, although you can make donations. Um West End Charity Football Club is a charity football made up of personnel from London's West End. Should have guessed that really, shouldn't we? Should have. There's a um, there. with our gaffer being a massive Yeovil fan. Right. Our first ever match against Yeovil supporters. We're delighted to be back playing them again to raise money for the Adam Stansfield Foundation. And acting for others. Oh, that's good. Okay. The, the, right. the gaffer is Johnny Phillips, who has been a season ticket holder in the Thatchers for years. He appeared in Les Mis in the West End. Blimey. Right. Oh, there you go. Well, Whoa. Les Miserables uh, probably sums up uh, most of most of most of what they'll be. So uh, yeah. Les Miserables. It will yeah. be miserable. Les Miserables. That's it. Oh my dear. Right. Uh, we have questions to answer. I was going to say young man then. That would make me sound very old and you very young. So Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, oh, uh, Facebook or Twitter? There what is only it? one on Facebook and it's Rich Wilcox Smith. He says, if anyone wants to know what, what being in the National League, what being in the National League, just ask me. So Rich, is, he came on, didn't he, when we played Taunton. Oh, so I'm yes. guessing he's missed a word out there and he means playing what being in National League South means, ask him. So, okay, well, Rich, you can, you can, you can, you can tell us. But in all seriousness, how, with a lack of communication from Ugla, how concerned are you uh, that the takeover is genuine and we aren't being led along with it all? Uh, very. Yeah. But I will say this, if it isn't genuine and we are being led along, I get the feeling that SU Glovers might lose a few quid in the yeah. process. And I do think that anybody and everybody would probably want to protect their few quid. So actually yeah. I think there's a, there is a level of sincerity about it, but the, uh, the length of the length of its uh, dragging on this is a concern. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Concern. To, to the Twitter, uh, Gareth, Gareth Aspinall, how you doing mate? Uh, following relegation, do you think I'm going to, I'm guessing we've got a theme <laughs> following relegation. Do you think the rent payment to the council is realistic? Any thoughts on the uglier deal and whether it will progress? Will the club stay professional and or will lower gates and the rent mean we need to return to amateur status? Oh, geez. 
Again, all we can say, as we've said before there with Stephen, is that the Oogalers have come out and said that if we are relegated, which we have been, uh, it will will remain full-time. We've got players on full-time contracts, so they're going to be paid full-time. Otherwise, they're going to need to be paid off and whatever else. So, yes, I think we can say on the full-time thing that until someone says different, that 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 is what it is. One thing I will say about when we when we went down back in the nineties, and I know a lot has changed since the mid nineteen nineties, is the if you win football games, crowds go up. And yep. If you, crowds go up, money comes in, and money goes up, and you get those and and you get those things. So, as I've said already tonight, I, I don't think that it is gonna um, that we would go straight back up next season. But if, even if we play better, I remember, so that game in the 90s, that season in the 90s, we finished bottom of the league. Someone pointed out to me, we scored 50-odd goals um, that season, which we'd love to have done this season. Um, so, uh, yeah, but but we were playing smallest crowds in Vauxhall Conference back then. We went down by the end of that season when we finished fourth in the ISIS League, as it was then. No, not that ISIS. The... Um, uh, and we were getting crowds of three, four thousand, which is far more than we were getting for anything other than cup games um, that season. And the season after, we obviously carried that on. So even at a lower level, winning football brings people in. So financially, I'm no business expert and full time football at this level is going to be expensive. But there is a logic there. You assume which National League Premier Club and or away day will you miss the most next season? Talking to a couple of Northerners here. Yeah, anywhere and in the north of England. And which club and or away day are you most delighted to see the back of? Um, I'm not going to miss Solihull. No, no, yeah. You, 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 you weren't a fan of that, were you? It's nope. a bit of a soulless kind of place, isn't it? Um, where would I be delighted to see the back of? Gates said didn't have a very good experience there either. I don't think long that seemed like an bit. awfully long, yeah, an awfully long way away as well. So, yeah. but yeah. I, I am, I am obviously going to miss the Northern Games. I just am. Yeah. I really, yeah. really am. There's there. Uh... <sighs> and which one are you looking forward to? Uh, no, uh, no. Hang on. Was that a question? Was that nope. part of a question? Nope. That was just the which ones are you going to miss and which ones are you glad to see the back of. Oh, okay. I'm going to miss um, anything up north apart from Solihull. Yeah, which isn't really up north anyway, is it? Uh, Robin Bachelor. Hey, Robin. Uh, what does supporting YTFC mean to the three of you? Wow. We're going to need more than the end of a podcast roundup to go for that one, I think. Uh, since I moved away, I've become more nostalgic for the rituals and traditions of going to see live football at Hewish Park with my friend and his dad, which was all the more special as I didn't come from a football supporting family. Um Oh, Robin, uh, that, that I mean, it means too much. I I have been able to cross my broadcasting career with this football club over the past few years, and I owe Chris Spittles a huge thank you for calling me up and saying, do you want to come down to Harringay, mate? Be on the radio with me. That went well, mate. Um, but since then, I like to think I've done I've done okay, and I've been uh, it's been a pleasure and an honour to. To be the eyes on on the football club for those who can't be at the ground um, pre-streaming, and they only had my useless waffle to listen to, and so it it meant everything to me because that was genuinely something I loved doing, and it's it's been everything. And I am genuinely worried about how I'm going to fill some of my days and some of my evening this next year. I have to go see if Farsi want to commentate. 
well hopefully we can um yeah hopefully there will be a uh, a streaming service and uh, as i've said to you already you can um you can jump in a car with me anytime you like mate so thanks um, yeah so yeah but I, I would i'd agree with all of that i i think when we did the old uh when watsy kicked off the what was the ytfc mean to me um we we saw so many things about what it means to different people and uh, i'd say as well it's been just been part of my life since the 1990s so you know getting on 30 years it's been uh, a huge part of my life of lots of people that I consider really good friends now I know um as a result of the football club um lots of uh you know experience I've had in my life just wouldn't have existed good bad and indifferent um I someone said to me the other day how much money do you think you spent watching football I, I'm too scared to even cons- do contemplate it. it even contemplate how much it would have costed even even like tickets is a terrifying thought um so so yeah it's just everything it's who it's a, it is a who i am if, if people say to me oh what are you what do you do then it's the first thing i tell everyone yeah first thing yeah. i go and watch a it's been, useless it's, football team every it's been weird today I, I wasn't in the office on wednesday but i've been in the office today and um people were really nice to me yeah they were just like patting me on the back going you okay mate you're right no well, um, I, I have to say, um, and 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 uh, jumping back to the to the Wrexham game here, but when so at the end of the game, we we we've said a lot about Wrexham, haven't we? And yeah, yeah. High in the league and all of that. Now, so at the end of the game, their their fans um stopped on their way out of the ground and applauded our yeah. supporters, and we applauded them back, and that was very classy. And yeah. uh, Rob McElhenney, their owner, came out and said something very nice um about it, and uh, yeah, we were like. How dare you be so nice to us? I know. So I was on the pitch when Rob McElhenney came yeah. out and he spent five, ten minutes with Mark Cooper and Chris Todd. Then he came over and sort of shook a few hands and said, you know, go well and the rest of it. And I was sat there going, oh, go away with your classy comments and your nice well wishes. I don't want to know. Yeah, absolutely. Stick them. I yeah. know. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for being lovely. Ben Foster came over. Um, I don't know if he knows Josh Thornton, but sort of wished each other well. And again, he shook a few hands and I was like, don't stop being nice. Yeah, we ate, it. Being we ate it. Yeah, yeah. But, no, they were, too. they were, and and there's been a lot said about Wrexham, some by us, um, and a lot of it is true. Um, but uh, but yeah, they 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 conducted themselves with great um, yeah, great grace there. So even thank you even, to them. even the fans that were behind us that back in November last year wanted to kill me, um, yeah. sort of put little. I got a few pats on the shoulder as they were walking past to say it'll be okay. Um, James Drew with Buse at starting the last two games. Is it a sign Smith will be leaving us in the summer? And why is it that he's going to Woking rather than into League Two? Might be both, James. Might be yeah, both. Might be both. Um, yeah. Buse, yeah. I think I am going to nail my colours to the mast. I think Will Buse is a genuine option for Yeovil Town, number one goalkeeper next season. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. On the basis of the performance that that, that, that we've had, um, had a very quick chat with his dad. Andy Buse at the ground. He was there on um, on Tuesday night. Proud dad. He, he was a goalkeeper in his day. Played, I think, Chard and uh, places like that. Um, Andy Buse. He wasn't very tall either. So he, he's probably taught his uh, taught his lad how to be a, a not very tall uh, goalkeeper. His, bro- his brother was there as well. Obviously, I called him Weymouth Scum, but um, uh, he, he, he was there too. So, yeah, there's, there's a definite family connection and... Um, a, a, a pride, I would say, to having their lad playing for the town that he grew up in. So, um, yeah, I, I, based on what I've seen of him, I'd have him back 
in a heartbeat. Um, Grant Smith probably does have his height sight set a little yeah, bit higher. And quite rightly so. Yeah, yeah. quite rightly so. Jonathan Adams, evening guys. I like it when people are like polite. This is nice. Evening, Jonathan. How are you doing? With today's press conference being moved to tomorrow, do you think that may it may mean there may be some kind of announcement? If not, do you think the takeover will happen at all? MC seemed more positive about Steele being involved next season. Should we be worried? That last mini question there, Jonathan. Just I've lived worried. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure we can read an awful lot into it, the movement of the press conference. My guess is, and it is just a guess, that basically training's not happening. At the moment, there's not a lot of point. They'll come in on Friday, do some fairly light work, do some Oldham sort of preparation, and then go into the game. There's a lot of broken bodies out there. Um, I just wonder if they've been given an extra day off or an extra or an extra recovery day. They've been spending it at the gym or at the pool, and so they're not physically at Hewish Park. It's just a guess. Um, announcement? Who knows? Honestly, who knows? I know. I can. I, I mentioned before. Who knows? But yeah. Those six people I mentioned, I bet they know. Uh, Stephen Hossent, uh, <laughs> is it even worth attending the final two games? Well, we're going to the last one, Dave, aren't we? We are going to the last one, yeah. yeah. I'm getting a very, very late train home. It's going to be great. Um, is it worth it? Only you can make that decision, Stephen. Um, like I say, it? I mean, in terms of watching a, a, a game of football, if you want to do nothing more than watch a game of football... I'm, I'm going to stick my neck on the line and be proven completely wrong uh, this weekend. But seven goal thriller? I, well, I, it could be. I, I, I don't see what Evas or Oldham have got to lose. Why not go out and play a decent, a, a decent uh, game of football? Lovely, Jonathan Hooper. Have Yeovil ever had a reserve team? Yeah, in black and white, Dave. On it. Um, if so, when did we lose it? Do you think we should have an under 23s, 21s reserve team? In my opinion, it'll help the unfit returning players from injury get match fit. It is the ultimate, is it an ultimate luxury, I guess, because financially carrying two teams in, a, in any kind of scheduled league would mean a slightly bigger roster, would mean more match days, more stewarding, more yeah. everything. Um, yeah. When we had a reserve team, which I remember there being in, uh, I remember still being around in the nineties, maybe there was there was time. definitely there was definitely something of a reserve team mid two thousands because right. I remember Craig Alcock making his debut in 07. right, and I don't think he came from straight in, from an eighteens. No. I think he had, must have had something in a reserve yeah. manner. We played in 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 what is now the Western League you know, yeah. directly back then. Yeovil Town Reserves was a team in 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 that division, so it. Yeah, it wasn't uh, a high level, but it was a, it was a decent um, a decent level. But yeah, we had a lot more players kicking around then as well. I think probably uh, under 18s and the um, uh, sort of structure that exists underneath them with the community sports trusts uh, age group side to the junior Premier League. They are probably as near as we'll, we can afford to have for any of that. I think I would like to see a little bit more in the way of structured games, though. I don't think the Somerset Men's Premier Cup offers enough games to sort of be the bridge Honestly. between the two. So I wonder if there is a place for something more structured where you just invite academy teams down or you invite, you know, people to, to come and play a team. Uh, right, we move on. Um, Jonathan Hooper also asks, he doesn't ask, he just states, the silence is deafening. Not wrong, Jonathan. Amen. Not wrong. Stephen Archibald with a Thatcher's gold uh, icon on Twitter. Question. 
On a recent interview with MC, he was asked if there was a specific thing where it all started to go wrong. He said yes, but did not elaborate. What do we think that specific event was? I assume after the Eastley game. Well, that Eastley game has um, has come up, hasn't it? As the yeah. point where he could have walked, should have walked. I think he may have even said at one point. Um, <coughs> yeah, I think I think the, uh, the 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 thing is this uh, this whole dressing room disharmony uh, rifts between players brought about by players being brought in. Obviously, immediately after the Eastley game, we saw Xander Saziba and Rio Griffiths brought in and announced by the new steward, the new owner, the new whatever he is. Um, uh, so, and, and, and that caused a, a rift and a disharmony, um, which that, that, that coincided with, with that time. So that is what we assume Mark Cooper is talking about. Game talk at Jim underscore Hawk. I like that we're getting new names. Yeah. Does that mean we're getting more popular? Well, I don't know. It might be. I love it. I love it. it. Or either that or more anonymous accounts are asking this question. But this is anonymous. This is James. Yeah. Um, do you think the fan base will hold up given the depressing situation and will it be diluted by Taunton, Western Supermare and Bath all in the National League South? It's a good question and probably one we don't really know too much in the way of an answer to yet because it might go the other way. And actually, we might see crowds increase because there will be more local derbies, and yeah. Hewish Park will be everyone's big day out. Yeah, yeah. You see, you see crowds going up as a as a, as a result of that. There'll be a lot of teams that haven't um, played at Yeovil for a good many years who will uh, bring. Not that you know they, they, these clubs have huge, massive followings, but also as I said before, if and I'm not saying it's going to be um, easy, but we win games of football, people will turn up. People, yeah. regardless of the level that you're playing at, people. If you're winning, people will turn up uh, because that that's just a reality. Now yeah. we all know that there is hardcore of of nutters that are just spoken about that will always travel around the country in their hundreds and um and so on and so forth. But and there's a lot it will of be a hardcore. And there's a lot of context around that. If the tickets are viable for that yeah. level, if the uh, communication, if the access, if people. If the football club is able to get out into the community and make things happen and, and slap punters in the face with come along, it could well be, but there's a lot, there's a lot to go into that. Um, Callum Hallett, should we be taking more interest into when Cooper is acting more confident that he will stay in the job next year, or is it me overthinking? In my opinion, if SU Glovers get the club, Cooper would be sacked. If there's one thing I've done quite a lot of over the past few days, Callum, is overthink. And yeah. overthinking is a dangerous game. I don't know if we are looking for things that aren't there sometimes. Yeah, I think we definitely are looking for things that aren't there sometimes. Um, and um, well, it goes back to what we said before. Six people know the answer to the yeah. question or, or, or have a far better chance than anyone of knowing the answer to the question. And we are not amongst those six. We are not those six. I've got another question that we can't answer. Go on. Uh, Andrew Allen, another new name, uh, says, what's the plan for the podcast over the summer break? Well, well uh, but, but there could be some interesting things to talk about, couldn't there? There could be some interesting things yeah. to talk about. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I have a couple off. Yeah. yeah. I might take a couple off. Um, well, we, I, I, well we, we certainly won't be um, sticking to a two podcast a week. There ain't that much to talk about. No. Um, but we'll, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll do our best to, 
to keep it up and we'll try and get interesting people to talk to um we obviously uh, we, we know that there's um we've been doing the glovers past which have been uh, very popular oh. so we get a few of them and then there's a Ben's been, Ben's been working very hard and got some very interesting Careful. things in Careful. the pipeline. Uh, Andrew, thank you for, for your question. Um, I don't know what the answer is. Ian will probably have a better chance of knowing what the answer is. Um, we might take a little bit of time off because we're exhausted, um, but there is still a website. We are still planning things. Do stick with us because, heck, we're going to do everything we damn well can. Um, and if you are along with us for the ride, we're episode 250 today. It hasn't felt like much of a celebration. No. But if you want us, we'll try and get our way to 500. How about that? <laughs> um, on that, I know Ian would probably end with some huge thank you to the people that have listened, to have sent questions in. And I completely and wholeheartedly agree. And I actually want to say a huge thank you to Ian because it was back on episode 16 that he hauled me in on a semi-permanent basis and said, do you want to do this? And then suddenly my face was on bbc and itv tv the other night with the name glover's cast underneath it so ian deserves every bit of credit for that happening as as i do so um thank you huge to ian thank you to everyone who's listened to listen to one episode two episodes 10 or 250 if you've been on at any point if you've asked a question at any point if you've entered a competition at any point if you've downloaded liked, shared subscribed and done all the other good stuff genuinely thank you because you have kept me going at times and i am very very glad of it dave you're a legend as well mate and you pal thank you so much for um steering us through on this delightful evening um we'll be back for the weekend after oldham we'll be back ahead of borehamwood as well and then after that it's all over and with a quick turn skipper alex dot slams it in Lindergaard making Morris backpedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's found him via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Madden, after just six minutes, gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trott. Goal. 